Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 reads, In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they also had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven basketfuls. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into a boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Then they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? And how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hand on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Our special guest for today is one of our student ministry leaders, Andy Esau. And Andy has been at Ascend for about five years, and he's been serving in the student ministry for four years. And so I'm excited to have him share his nugget of truth from God's Word for us today. All right. Um, My nugget of truth from today's reading, um, really I want to focus on the feeding of the 4,000. So a couple chapters ago in chapter 6, we saw 
Jesus performed the miracle or he fed the 5,000. So it wasn't all that long ago. The disciples obviously were a part of that miracle as they distributed the bread. But then again, here in chapter 8, we have a situation where there's a great crowd and they're hungry. They need to eat. And the first thing the disciples say, well, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? You know, there's not resources around. There's not a, you know, abundance of food that they can just go get and bring to these people. And so they're like, how can anybody feed him? But if you think about it, they had just witnessed the miracle where Jesus fed the 5,000. So we have these disciples who are with Jesus um, for uh, in his presence and have witnessed these miracles. Um, they're doubting his ability to feed the 4,000. So the disciples, you know, had they had already witnessed, besides the feeding of the 5,000, they witnessed Jesus heal people with demons and unclean spirits. They saw Jesus heal sick people. He calmed a storm. He even raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, and he walked on water. You know, they have all these evidences that Jesus has the power to perform another miracle, but yet they're struggling in their faith. I really think this shows that, you know, the disciples were failing to really dwell and meditate on who Jesus was and that he actually was God. Um, and then he had the ability to meet both their physical needs, but most importantly, their spiritual needs. We see again after this miracle that the disciples get into a boat and Jesus tries to spe- teach them a spiritual lesson when he says that to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So leaven is like yeast and it's into the dough of the bread that you're making in it and it causes the dough to rise. And so Jesus is saying, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, which he's really saying, you know, beware of the influences of false religion, beware of immorality of your culture and how that can get into your life and impact your life in such a way that you become disobedient to God and, you know, or uh, get tangled up in sin. And so he's trying to teach a spiritual lesson to the disciples. But again, they're like, oh, wait, he's talking about bread. We don't have any bread. We forgot to bring bread on on the boat. (laughs) And so they completely miss the point. They're again worried about their physical needs and that God won't provide the food that they need. The main thing I want to encourage you guys, uh, you students, to do is to dwell on how God has been faithful in your life in the past. Maybe there was an event that he helped you through, a circumstance that was really tough that he he helped you through. And maybe it's um, just reading the stories of God's faithfulness in the Bible. Like that's the, the biggest place where we can see God's character of faithfulness. And use that as a way to equip yourself for future circumstances. You want to be able to enter a circumstance knowing that God is going to help you in that circumstance. He may not give you the answer that you want in your prayers, but he'll always give you what you need. You know, he may not take you out of a hard circumstance, but he'll help you through it. He'll give you the way to be obedient to him during that circumstance. So one way we you can do that is by keeping a prayer journal where you can write down your prayer requests. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. I don't always do a good job of journaling, but, uh, one way to see God's faithfulness is to, you know, write down what your needs are each day and then look back and, and see how God has fulfilled your needs. Jesus here in this text, it almost seems like he did a little bit of rebuking of the, these disciples. It, it treated that their, their lack of faith as almost disobedience. When we fail to remember God's faithfulness, to dwell on his character, 
and we instead allow ourselves to spiral and to worry and to doubt, that's really showing a sign of disobedience on our part. Um, so that's the area that we really need to focus on growing in. Thanks so much, Andy. I just appreciate how you've focused in on a situation that we're seeing in the description of what's taking place. And then you've applied that to our lives to say, how do we make sure that we don't end up in the same spot? And so getting straight to the root of that, are we seeing the character of God at work in our life? Or are we focused on these peripheral things? The disciples were so focused on the practical that they were missing what was taking place before them. Uh, And, you know, that leads me to my question for today. If the disciples are physically with the person of Jesus, able to study and hear word for word what he's teaching, able to ask him questions, all of these different things that we don't necessarily have the same opportunity to do, how is it that we can actually know and follow God if the disciples don't get it? Well, that's a good question, Lee. And first of all, I want to say we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. God gave that as a, as a gift to aid us in our sanctification, to help us to understand his word and to apply it. Uh, we know about the fruits of the Holy Spirit that God produces in us. But we also have God's word. We, we can go to it and study it, and we can really see God's character as it has been displayed uh, in his word. But I, I also want to focus on something in the text here about how, you know, the disciples weren't perfect right away. They weren't, they didn't turn to Jesus and then instantly become sinless and perfect. And that gives us hope too. You know, we, all of us are imperfect. You know, we, we are saved, but we are not sinless and we still struggle, but we, we turn to God in that those struggles. And we can see this progressive sanctification in our, in our lives where we may have peaks and valleys in our in our faith, but overall, if we're true followers of Christ, we are progressing to become more and more like Jesus. And I, I think we see an example of this in in Jesus' next miracle that he does, where he heals a blind man in in two stages. The first stage he spit on his eyes and uh, laid his hands on him and he he asked the man uh, if he saw anything, and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. So his, his vision, it got better, but it wasn't perfect. He, he didn't have the, um, the vision of, of a normal person. So then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and his eyes were completely restored. So that, that's kind of an interesting thing. We see Jesus go through two stages of this healing, and that can kind of create a question of, like, why was that? But first, we, I want to note that, it, that this is not implying that Jesus failed at his first attempt. He obviously is all-powerful, and he could have healed him on the first try. But I think Jesus was trying to teach a lesson here that there's this progressive understanding of God and progressiveness of our faith where we're, we're growing. When he did the first stage of the miracle, it, it allowed the man to then exercise fa- his faith that God could completely heal him. The first stage where he couldn't quite see, um, that's that's maybe like our initial stage of faith where you know, we, we trust Jesus for our salvation, but we aren't mature yet. We're, we're still infants in our faith. But then as we get older, as we uh, study God's word more, as we um, go to him in prayer and depend on him more and more, as we are discipled by other believers and have them pour into us, we are, our faith becomes more clear. We're, we're able to see God for more, more for who he is. And we have a better understanding and vision of of God in our lives. That's good, Andy. I just appreciate how you've you've offered us hope. You know, we're we're all imperfect. 
we're never going to fully understand everything. And I think sometimes we bring that mindset of perfection to what we think God wants from us. Uh, and we need to understand that he understands we're broken. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us with our unbelief and that he expects us to just progress in that faith. It's not going to be 100% there all the time, right at the midst, just like it wasn't for the disciples. And so appreciate how you've drawn that out of this passage here, shown how it ties into the rest of the purpose of what's going on there in that chapter, and, and ultimately, hopefully, offered us not only that nugget of truth, but this offer of hope for us as we live in our sinful condition, but still seek in obedience to honor God in all. So as we do each time, let's take what we've learned from here, see if we have any other questions from the text, find answers to those questions, find ways in which we can find that by our own study or talking with other people so that we're growing in our understanding and our ability to study God's word together. And know today you are loved. You're